It's Tuesday, January 18, 2022, and it's The Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. <laughs> from Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, and mogul, Derek Miner. Was happening? Man, this is where I wish we were posting our videos of the podcast because that was impressive. People don't even know that I was going. The show had started and Jesse was taking off a sweatshirt. He was not ready. And then without even missing a beat, he came in and said, hello, hello. It was very I'm impressive. I'm out shedding headphones and, you know, it's... You know, very just professional. Old, just just a pro. pro. Just a pro. Anyway. Hey, can I tell you guys something real quick? Please do. Um, on Please. Sunday... My oldest child turned 18, which means I have officially raised a child into adulthood. Wow. wow. Do you, now, let me ask you this. Do you feel more Blair. accomplished because of that or like, wow, life, life's, life's going by? Is this like a midlife crisis moment for you or are you just celebrating? I don't think it's a midlife crisis, but it is that I hear like, you know, that grandma voice in my head like, it goes so fast, honey, Ch- cherish it all. And here I am. I now have an 18 year old. I cannot even, it's, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like a man child in my house. Now, did you, how did you celebrate the man child birthday? Because this is, this is a big one. Oh, I think it's going to be very deflating now. We just went to dinner. <laughs> well, well, at least tell us where. At least an establishment. It was a Texas where, Roadhouse. They like yeah, the East no, uh, no, well, he loves sushi, so we're taking him to a really great sushi restaurant in town. And um, and then we are going to have a party with his friends. But yeah, 18, sushi. Here we come. That is, that, that is Jamie, first off, congratulations. You, like you said, you've raised a child into adulthood successfully. That is yeah. no small feat. Um, if I know the night that, you know, my children on their 18th birthday, we're going to go commit a crime together and then we'll be bound <laughs> to uh, just the knowledge of it because that is the barrier. We can't look back. At this this point. is going to come into play one day, Jesse, if you're, you or your child is ever, um, you know, potentially allegedly committed a crime. Someone's going to send in a tape and say, I remember on January 18th in 2022, Jesse said, <laughs> it's like when they turn 21, you get there, you know, you have a, a, a first glass of wine with your child. You know, what a, what a milestone. People don't Not really Christians. smoke cigarettes. Christians yeah. don't do that. What are you talking about? I mean, about? all you can do right now at 18, the only cool thing you can do is either commit a crime that counts now or buy some scratchers. At they the can get a tattoo, I think. You can get a tattoo. Oh yeah. They can vote and get a tattoo. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Vote and tattoo. They can, they can lease an apartment. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Look at all this. It's a whole world that's opened up. It's a whole now. world out there for yeah. 18 well, congrats. year olds. Congrats, Welcome Jamie. to adulthood, guys. Yeah. Uh, we have a great show in store for you today. Uh, coming up later, it's part of our new You series. Each week, uh, we've been tackling a different topic. So like mental health, spiritual health. This week, we're going to talk about financial health. And our guest is Art Rayner. He's an author uh, who specializes in finances, wealth, and generosity. His message is about how to get debt free so you can um, and get your financial health in order so you can live generously and advance God's kingdom. And I love that message that it's not just about... 
obtaining wealth and acquiring and hoarding, but it's about having those resources that so God can use them. Whoa, we're not supposed to just keep it to ourselves. What? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, this is in line with a lot of uh, the message that you you've been promoting the last year, Derek. You know, just yes, like sir. getting your financial house in order and having resources and generational wealth and changing the course of people's lives and. It's important, it's important that we actually like pay attention to this and do it, you know? Yeah, I think Christians are very scared of the, the topic of money or we talk about it in a way that is uh, very, uh, it's not productive, I've seen in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I just think that we have to stop being afraid of money and start looking at it like a tool. No one's afraid of a hammer, right? Mm-hmm. So money's just a tool. Let's Let's talk about it and help people. You know, so that's my I thing. think too, I've seen like Christian women who might do some kind of like ministry or, or, or whatever they might do. They're afraid of like, oh, I don't think I should get paid because I'm doing it for Jesus. Right, right. And I'm like, girl, if you're running a business, you need to have your business in order. That means you got to have your money in order so that you can bless people and pay the bills and do your job. Uh, but I think even sometimes women are even scared of talking about money as well. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I do think this is an important topic because I've got a lot of board apes right now that I'm trying to sell on the NFT. I have no idea what any of it means, but uh, I'm being told that uh, it's a good way to spend my life saving. So I'm interested to see what art yeah, has to say. <laughs> Hey, I, I watch all the NFT stuff, Gary Vee and all the, all this stuff. I watch it like a hawk, right? The whole crypto stuff, you know, the NFT thing is so interesting to me. I understand it. I understand the blockchain. I get it. But somebody said something to me. Some, I heard somebody say something a few weeks ago that I cannot shake. I don't know if y'all have seen, I think it's on Amazon. There's a, a Beanie Baby documentary. That kind of like talks about how the craze happened. It started in like uh, Illinois and like it took America by storm and people, you know, invested, I mean, crazy amounts of money into these Beanie Babies because of scarcity and all this kind of stuff. And somebody said the comparison that if you step back and look at it, the NFT explosion right now is basically virtual Beanie Babies. All the same rationale is there everything is lining up and like the, mm. the saturation bubble plus people move. I like it could, the, it could pop just like the beanie baby thing popped. And like, now that I look at all the NFT stuff, I'm like, that's a sobering reminder that this is not new. It's just a new item with scarcity that people are overvaluing because of scarcity. And then when people lose right. interest in that item, the demand drops, the value drops, and the thing implodes. What goes up must come down. That's that. It's just that. That's how it is. Now, how far it goes down, how long right. it stays down, right. is always the th- is is always the question. But my thing is, you know, I haven't invested in one NFT, and I don't own one piece of crypto. And it's not even that I don't believe in it, but I think that it's really important for people to get their regular finances in order first, like. NFT crypto is extremely speculative. So if you don't have an emergency fund saved up and if, if you don't have, you know, your Roth IRAs maxed out every year and if you don't have, you know, a very comfortable living situation, shouldn't be investing in NFTs. Like that's just my, or crypto, that's my personal opinion because you could literally lose it all. 
You know? And then you hear the so. see the headlines about a 12 year old who made an NFT series and made yeah. four million dollars, and these 17 year old kids and 20 year old college kids like right. flipping them and making 50 grand a night and that kind of stuff. And then everybody goes, "Well, I'm going to do that. This is a yeah. shortcut." Right. And then you got a beanie beanie baby hype situation, and then it all collapses. Well, Dude, but the problem is they don't tell the other side of the story right. of how a lot of those people are broke again. Yeah. After they come up on, you know, a lot of money, like I, I don't know if you ever get a chance, the Bitcoin chart is the most interesting chart in the world because it literally was at 30 grand and it got smacked all the way down to five grand in in like three years. So my thing is, I'm like, yo, just make sure if whatever you're putting in those NFTs and, and your crypto, just make sure it's money you're OK with losing because you very well could. And that's any investment. But just make sure you have a good stable ground before yeah. you start investing in those things. It's literally like the lottery, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah, mm. it's not a commodity. It's not like there's no physical item attached to it. So like if, if I invested in like a rare car, well, at least at the end of the day, I have a, something that can have some utility, have some exactly. function. But like the other, the other thing that's been absent of the crypto conversation up until I feel like recently is how tremendous the tremendous environmental impact just basic uh-huh. Bitcoin mining takes. It mm-hmm. is one of the most destructive modern trends uh, that mm-hmm. have come along and people just ignore it. Like there is a deep, deep environmental cost for all these servers to run through kind of their blockchain mm-hmm. ledgers that, uh, you know, you can look at how much power it takes to just, you know, ref- you know, kind of do what, what needs to be done for all these ledgers to be kind of cross-referenced on these servers and the amount of power and energy, it's just sucking up and it, the amount of like just carbon it's dumping into the environment because of this, you know, speculative trend and people trying to turn a quick buck there, you know, people, there's some ethical concerns there too, that I feel like people should, even if it does affect how they uh you know their personal habits with it they, they should at least be aware of it you know yeah facts. Totally. well there you go <laughs> there's the jim coming up later jim kramer is joining us all right stay tuned up next it's slices Listening to Beirut. The song is Fyodor Dormant. Dormant. Fyodor Dormant. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I think I did it. I did it excellently. All right. Well, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Uh, in 2022, mental health is finally a thing. So many people are struggling right now and aren't feeling like they're normal selves. Well, guess what? Therapy helps. It doesn't have to be sitting around just talking about your feelings. So what is therapy exactly? It's it's whatever you want it to be. You can talk privately to someone if you feel like you're not dealing well with stress or you're having relationship issues. Whatever you need. Don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. 
BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you. Right now, Relevant Podcast listeners can get a special deal. You can go to BetterHelp.com slash Relevant to get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp. Uh, Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Relevant to get 10% off your first month. Okay, it's time for Slices. So we just forgot about... uh, You know what? Do you remember that? A few months ago, I was like, hey, we should update the Slices jingle. And I guess I just lost interest or we got busy with actual work and I forgot about that. But but I'm reminded that one of you, one of our listeners took me up on that challenge and submitted a potential new slices jingle. We should play it right now. And then you guys, you listeners, if you like it, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. And if you think you can do better, send us your Ooh. slices jingle option. Okay. Challenge. So uh, who, who was the listener who sent in this jingle, Clark? Uh, his name was Clay. Okay. Uh, he Aiken? Sent it- Clay Aiken? Yeah, he, yeah, right before he declared for North Carolina Congress race, he made a jingle for us. What Clay Aiken ran for Congress? Clay Aiken this week announced that he is running for Congress in North Carolina. Oh wow! And all here's right. his jingle. No, no. And, and so, can we, so basically, it's all realities TV stars now at this point. Yeah. Like anyone yeah. who I'm I need to go on and run. That's what we yeah. do. That's next. All right, so let's play his slate. Okay, so I'll pretend. We'll do it for real. Okay, it's time for... Welcome to Slices, where we tell you what's happening in the world this week. Hey, you take my shirt off? <laughs> that was a little sexy, Clay. Clay, that was sexy, dog. I feel overdressed for this. I feel overdressed for this uh, slice. Oh my gosh. You're not going to believe what happened with this funny story about a Pokemon. That's a very different vibe for the segment. Come on, Clay. Ooh. It must have been a late night jingle that he was. Uh, all right. Okay, Clay. What do you got, <laughs> what do you got Jesse? All right. Well, uh, if you listen to Tuesday's show, Tyler made a very brief passing reference to this in, in relevant news, but uh, I'm kind of glad he did because I want to unpack it a little. Um, uh, this, this story was going around recently about uh, a something that happened with uh, NASA in recent years. Now, the headline that got kind of passed around that I want to provide some clarity to, but I also think this is incredibly interesting, is that NASA had hired a team of theologians to uh, determine what the social impact of unveiling to the world that aliens existed could potentially be. And the idea is that these theologians would use their insights into religion and faith communities to, to be able to inform NASA maybe the best way to one day, um, you know, reveal that, uh, you know, extraterrestrial life is out there. Now, that's mm-hmm. not exactly uh, what the case was. Um, oh. There's actually... Um, there's actually an uh, uh, an author or or one of the theologians. His name is Reverend Dr. Andrew Davidson, and he's a, a, a theological professor at the University of Cambridge. Uh, he's getting ready to release a book, and he talks about his work with an agency called the Center of Theological Inquiry, 
um, which is, uh, you know, kind of a, a thing at some Ivy League schools. I, uh, so either way, um, you know, this Center for Theological Inquiry was actually funded for a brief time um, in 2016, 2017. So a number of years ago um, to specifically uh, have theologians look at the issue of what would happen if they were to reveal to the public that they found micro like micro like essentially cellular life on other planets. So like germs and moss and that kind of stuff, not like an alien civilization. Um, mm-hmm. And they weren't involved with the actual selection of these theologians. Um, so they didn't technically hire. It's not like NASA was like, we got to hire these 12 great uh, Bible thinkers to tell us what mm-hmm. would happen if we found aliens. It, it was a, It's a little bit more nuanced than that. Um, but. The fact is that NASA has actually been interested in this, uh, 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 like thinking for a long time. Um, the, uh, the Telegraph newspaper or the Times UK, who first ran this story that kind of got a lot of viral attention, um, actually sent a clarifying statement to NASA to kind of understand what their, you know, genuinely, genuine interests are because like the headlines kind of, uh, made some implications that may not have been entirely accurate. And actually, NASA conceded that they they were um they've been deeply interested and been researching quote the potential so, uh, societal impact of finding life beyond earth since uh the late 90s so even though it's not like they you know because i think a lot of people read this story and they're like oh nasa's got a whole department where it's just people with bibles and telescopes and they're just writing papers <laughs> on how we can let everyone know and what what bible verses we could use to back up not exactly like that but it is something that they have been invest literally financially investing in and have been kind of uh, uh, trying to come up with solutions for uh, for you know almost 30 years now um, which you know I think is is cool and also you know I don't think NASA seems to be an agency that is uh, you know just kind of um, spending money on things for for no reason it seems like there there's some degree of inevitability that even though in our lifetimes we won't come across some sort of alien civilization or something like that i mean who knows what, what what's possible but it is very possible that we will find that the uh sort of uh, physical conditions for life are much much more prevalent in the universe than once thought and the implications of that are going to be pretty deep especially for people of faith now it seemed like a lot of these theologians um were kind of more interested and what impact that would have for people's creation narrative um, and, the, and, the, and the story of how God created the, you know, humanity and planet Earth and, and the, the universe, um, as well as sort of what it would mean for what we think about God and his relationship with man or mankind, um, it, you know, if there are sort of other societies. But even just the basic question of, well, if God created the conditions for life here and, he, and those similar conditions appear throughout the universe, what is the implications of sort of how special humanity is or Earth is? And, you know, when we talk about the new heaven and the new earth that Revelation mentions, there's a lot of really inter- interesting implications. So I think it's definitely something cool that NASA is, uh, you know, kind of investing in. Um, you know, what do you guys think of, you know, Jamie, I know one of your kids is is interested in this topic. But from, you know, people who come from a background that, you know, have some understanding of the Bible and faith, what are your thoughts about this kind of research? I'm going to be real honest with you, Jesse. Please My don't. thoughts about this type of research, there aren't very many thoughts about it. Mm. And because it feels like too much for me to even like think about, like, 
it, and I don't want to sound like the dumb like person who's like, this doesn't affect me, so I don't care. But it feels too big for me to think about, and I don't feel educated enough to think about it. And at the end of the day, sometimes I don't know how it actually affects my life. Mm. Ouch. I said that out loud. Yeah. I, I, uh, I attended a, a conference by the BioLogos organization uh, years back. It was founded by uh, Francis Collins. And um, they, they tackle the, the theology of faith and science, especially as it relates to the origins of, of creation. And, you know, it was interesting. It was helpful for me to learn that there are like nine widely accepted Christian views on the origin of creation. You know, there's the short term seven day literalist. There's the, you know, there's all these shades of it. And, and it's like, we know in part and we see in part. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, do we believe that as, as Christians, do we believe that humanity you know, was made in the image of God and has a soul and has a special purpose above other created beings. I would say that that's a core tenet of our faith, right? So if they find life in other places, it's no different than finding life in the deep sea, in my opinion. I mean, it's life, but it's not right. necessarily human-esque life. And so therefore it doesn't rattle me at all. You know, it's like, I expect it. You know, it's a massive universe. The hubris to think that we're the center of it all is uh, pretty foolish in my mind. And I think the more we learn, the better off we are as thoughtful Christians, you know? So science is something to embrace and not be scared of. I totally agree. Embrace, embrace science, embrace logic. And I want people to embrace it and think about it. And then I will find the people that I trust and be like, Oh, thank you for helping me learn this. But I do think it, I do think it's kind of interesting, even though these people aren't like on NASA's payroll, it does seem like NASA's investing more heavily into this than like churches are. Like I think, you know, if you were to tell the average pastor, like, Hey, if, if there was some disclosure about, you know, some earth shattering scientific revelation, it doesn't even have to be aliens, right? Like it could be any number of things that would just change people's perception of reality. You know, I feel like I'm not saying it's any sort of indictment on the church or leadership or, or, or anything like that, but I do think, you know, a lot of churches seem to be sort of dismissive about topics like this when, you know, the federal agency in charge of you know, thinking about this, thinks that the church should be involved in this conversation. You know, I, I do think, like I said, that's not some sort of indictment. The church has a lot on the plate right now, and that's I don't I, yeah. blame them for, you know, not being overly concerned about revelations about microbial life on a distant planet. But yeah. I do think if NASA wants to talk to the church about it, maybe the church should start talking to NASA or start thinking about it, yeah. too, just because... That, that this kind of dialogue, I think, um, you know, even if there aren't like firm conclusions, at least it kind of opens people up to, um, you know, potential realities that might soon just be common knowledge. You know, if this I'm is a topic, I, I like. I was say, I'm not a lie. I like Jamie's answer <laughs> in a sense where she's just like, I don't know, and I don't even know how this affects my life right now, and that's. Like I yeah. like that, you know, and the reason I like that is because and, and then what she just said is like, the, you know, when you said the church is has a lot of other things on their plate and Jamie's like, yeah, like yeah. to me, that keeps the church out of problems. Not to say that, hey, we shouldn't find bandwidth to f- to figure out what's going on in that realm. But I, I think the big issue for me is oftentimes when something scientific pops up, like 
making a declaration with no logic, just saying, oh, there's there's no way there's aliens or there, there's no way that that, yeah. that doesn't have anything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not based in any fact. It's not based in anything. But besides, you know what you feel or or think you know like i love the idea of i don't know i think more yeah. christians should adopt the concept of i don't know and i'm willing to be taught about it today, and i think you know? for a long time churches and christians have been scared of science mm-hmm. and so anything that a scientist might say would be like i don't know where do you show me in the bible and i also think we've got to be willing to say like man god's given this man this woman an incredible gift to learn about science and the universe mm-hmm. and other other beings, all the things. And listen, they're coming from a faith background. I can trust them because mm. this is the gift that God's given them to use their brain to think about this kind of stuff. So I think we also need to be like, hey, I don't know, I don't get it, but I'm willing to listen to scientists because they're way smarter than I am. Fact. Yeah. If you are interested in this intersection of faith and science conversation, um, BioLogos, B-I-O-L-O-G-O-S dot org. I I've been impacted by their resources personally. My, my faith and theology and understanding has greatly <laughs> expanded because of their teachings. There's a, if you just want like to dip your toe in the pool uh, right at the top of their website, they have a tab called common questions and it, everything from human origins to scientific evidence, to biblical interpretation, faith and science quests. They're all right there. Just, just go click, start reading, start educating yourself. If you're interested in it, it's a, uh, it's interesting. There's a lot of different perspectives and it's a good resource to learn about them all. Anyway, <laughs> look Love at that. It. I just plugged a bio logos. That's all right. What do you got, Derek? Um, so Cameron, the last time that I came to your, to your house, yeah. Uh, brought my two boys with me. We spent the week, uh, Cohen influenced my kids <laughs> in, in, in a way that has been, Deeply financially burdening to me oh, by no. introducing them to Uh-oh. Fortnite. Oh. And I'm like literally every week That's funny. doggone buying fake cartoon character costumes for twenty dollars for yep. two kids a piece, twenty dollars a piece for two kids. Hey. Getting taxed like and we had we had to change our family's financial approach because of Fortnite. Like Man. Cohen, there's a thing called Greenlight. It's a little debit card for kids that yeah. has app controlled. And mm-hmm. so I took my card off of the gaming system, got Cohen his own Greenlight card, his Visa yeah. or whatever, and he can earn money and I'll put it onto his card. And if he wants to buy those stupid things, he can earn it. Like, yeah. So I, there's no more dad's card connected to the Xbox. So <laughs> like, yeah, my, my, yeah, my kids, they have to, they can request and then I can accept or deny. So Video games are so the crazy part about it is now all of us are playing though. Now I'm playing Fortnite with them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cause that's all they want to play. So I'm like, all right, I'll play Fortnite with you. So I understand video games are addictive and yeah. I, you know, I like playing video games and all of that. Well, two Los Angeles cops, they had an opportunity mm. to get a rare Pokemon on Pokemon Go. I had no clue people still playing Pokemon Go, but <laughs> hey, it's called the Snorlax. But also at the same time, there's a robbery going on at the Crenshaw no. Mall. 
So it was, it's a very, and I understand like some of these skins and things are very, very rare. If you don't know what Pokemon Go is, it's like a virtual reality. You can find Pokemon augmented in real reality. life at, yeah, augmented reality, right? You could, yeah. you could look around and, you know, you can find a Pokemon at Walmart or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, the Snorlax was popped up and at the same time, you got the, the, you know, you got a robbery at the Crenshaw Mall. And literally one of the police officers said, no. Like to, to like the robbery or to the, the Pokemon? Yes, they said the robbery is the ro- there's a robbery happening and we need you to respond to it. And the first thing was no. Ooh. So they hit him again. It was like, yo, can y'all do this? There is, I'm going to read this to you because you would never think. All right, so listen, the recording showed that at approximately 6.09, just five minutes after Officer Lozano said, screw it to checking in on the communications about the robbery call, Officer Mitchell alerted Lozano that the Snorlax just popped up at the 46th and Lamert. After noting that Lamert doesn't go all the way to the 46th, Lozano responded, oh, you know what I can do? I can go down 11th, swing up on Crenshaw. I know that way I can get it. So they both, they went a different route. So they were like, yo, we're going to go, instead of not going to the robbery at all, we're just going <laughs> to swing down, catch the Snorlax real quick, and then oh go to, to this robbery. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So they got fired. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but they caught the Snorlax. So, you know, kudos to you you, got, you lost your job <laughs> how, you got but snorlax. how would they know did they f- tell people that they did that i mean that how must would, have been recorded i mean i'm uh, sure they, everything is gps as well right yeah. so and then you know with body cams and yeah all of those different things so i'm assuming yeah, when they just saw the car that. route not looking right they probably <laughs> like, questioned what them, like what's going, going on, on? Yeah, <laughs> they didn't get an answer that made sense so they looked at the footage i mean well, yeah, probably they literally, so they literally said why did you go to the car and they said we were busy uh, I would have liked the story better if a bunch of cops would have showed up at the same place looking for the Snorlax and then be like, wait, you, what, what? We're all here for the same thing? Sitting there at a fast food restaurant, eating their meals, all of a sudden all these cops swarm in. In defense of, this ain't it, y'all. In defense of these officers. I don't know the outcome of this robbery, so I'm just, let me just throw that out there. But I will say this. You know, what's more impressive if, if a cop shows up and is like, hey, how was the day at work? Like your whole job is to catch catch people, right? Like that's the whole right. gig, you know? And it's like, oh, I caught a robber today. I'd be like, okay, good job. Another day at work. And that the, that the whole gig, like catching robbers. But it's like, hey, I caught a Snorlax today. That's next <laughs> level, okay? Like not only do no, not only do Snorlax hard to catch by cops, by normal people too. It's pretty impressive. Like I'm or just you saying, caught the Snorlax and the bad guys at the same time. Oh, like, it sounds you know, like a Men in Black meetup. Like they're have they're re- <laughs> repeat, reviewing their day. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. funny. Uh, All right, what do you have, Jamie? All right, so um, one of my sons is one of the one of the. Uh, I don't know why this is a rule in our family. I just decided it that when you turn sixteen, you get a job. And you have to pay for your own haircuts. All right, it's just a thing. Schedule your own haircuts. Pay for your own haircuts. You got a job. And so one of my sons was scheduling a haircut, and he I saw how much it was. School clothes. See, now I'm making you buy a haircut. He was scheduling it. He saw how much it was and he said, okay, I have that much. I said, make sure you remember to tip. And he goes, I'm not tipping. I'm like, oh, you have to tip. Anyone does something for So we went through the whole thing, right? Well, this is why it's important to tip you guys because on New Year's Eve, um, two men were vandalizing a landmark in Key West, all right? They were vandalizing it, thinking they're getting away with it, being all big and bad on New Year's Eve. Well, a webcam picked it up. 
And let me tell you how one of these guys was caught because the night of New Year's Eve, before he went to vandalize, he spent a couple hours at a bar, bought a couple drinks and did not tip the bartender at all. The bartender remembered him. Goody. And when his face was shown on the news from the webcam, the bartender said, I know who that guy is. He was in my bar that night, not tipping. And he pulled out the credit card receipt and they found him. So the moral of the story is, A, don't vandalize stuff. But B, also tip your people. (laughs) And that's how he got caught. The bartender said he always remembers faces. And so that's what happened. I would just like to say... I left in a hurry because of there's a Snorlax outside <laughs> and I would have tipped on a normal situation. I missed the Snorlax and I set the thing on fire out of frustration. So <laughs> bad night. Okay, let's lay off. Well, they <laughs> did right. him wrong. Le- life lesson learned. All right. That'll do it for slices. Stay tuned up next. Art Rayner joins us. I'm 15 in my garden skipping. My name is Sue is watching me from the window. Oh, mama, did you tell Sue I'm a millionaire now, baby, trading that crypto? Oh, yeah? No. Give me that gold. Give me that You're listening to Alt J. Man, I love them. Uh, the song is Hard Drive Gold. Well, our guest today, this conversation is part of our uh, new series called New You. It's an eight week limited content series presented by our friends at UHSM. Every week, we'll be speaking with leaders and experts on ways we can be healthier in spirit, mind, and body. Uh, we'll, we post new articles every Tuesday and Thursday at relevantmags.com. And then obviously, here on the Tuesday episode of the podcast, you'll hear conversations connected to our theme that week. Uh, last week, we spoke about mental health. Uh, I think we did, we did spiritual health the week before that. And this week, we're focusing on financial health. And our guest is Art Rayner. He's an author who specializes in finances, wealth, and generosity. He regularly counsels people on how to get uh, free of debt and achieve good financial health in order to give generously and advance God's kingdom without the hindrance of debt or any other financial barrier. He sat down with our very own Tyler Huckabee to discuss financial health and what trusting God with your finances actually looks like. Here's our conversation with Art Rayner. So as you've thought about this and, and done research on this, I'm curious, and, and this could be a very tough question, but have you found or do you have any theories about a sort of root disconnect between how we as Americans tend to think about money and how the Bible calls us to? What, what in your mind is sort of the patient zero of our money woes here as American Christians? Well, I, I think that it's there's nothing new that we are that we're experiencing here in the in the United States. I do believe that we are putting our hope in in, in money, and we're seeing the consequences of uh, of that. That we're putting our hope for security, our hope for um, a better better future, um, a hope for a sense of satisfaction, contentment, all those things we're placing. On money, which it was never meant to to do that. Money in and of itself is not a bad thing. God didn't just dump um, money, financial resources, and to make us miserable, to draw us away from Him, but to use those things for His for His purpose and for His for His His glory. And, and so I look to First Timothy six seventeen through nineteen to answer that question. 
where Timothy, uh, Paul is telling Timothy to tell the people in his church, specifically the rich, which I would say, hey, here in America, from a global standpoint, we're all in that in that group t- together uh, to not play their, place their hope in, in wealth and in the uncertainty of wealth, but into God. And then with our wealth, it, he goes on to say, to be generous with, with, with others, be willing to, to share. And then by doing that, to read verse 19, he says that we will find true life, real life, depending on the, uh, the translation that you, that you read. Now, what he's talking about is not um, that we will get eternal life because he's already talking to believers at this point. So what he's referring to is this contentment, the satisfaction, the, the present blessings that we get for that we get when we start to align ourselves with God's design for our lives, whether it's in our finances or any other place, that that is true. And so what he's specifically talking about is our, is our finances. So where do we get it wrong? I think that we're actually, we're putting our hope too much into money and possessions, and it gets us into a lot of financial trouble. And ultimately we continue to get in the cycle of dissatisfaction. And then of course we continue to try to get more and more and more. And it just never, it never works out and it won't work out. We were not designed for that. Money was not designed to accomplish that purpose. I think that, at least for me, one of the reasons that it's so easy for us to fall into these cycles that you're talking about here is that we live in a world that really does not see a spiritual component to our money. Uh, so do you have any practical tips on how we can retrain our minds to think of money as having something spiritual about it, or maybe even being fundamentally spiritual in some way? We have to ask the question, why does God give us all of these resources? And then why does, why does he talk about money throughout scripture, money, possession, stewardship? There's over 2000 verses about that very topic. So why does he so frequently address this topic? Why does it seem to be such a very important topic to, to, to God? And as you read scripture, what you see is that he's not necessarily concerned about if you're setting aside enough in your uh, 529 plan for your kids in order to save for, for, for college. That's a good thing. You should do that. And I encourage people to, to do that. But what he's most concerned about is our heart management. And what we see is that money management reflects heart management. And so what he's trying to help us un- uh, understand is that uh, what, what we do with our, with our finances demonstrates where we're putting our hope, where we're putting our trust in a very real, tangible way. We talk about making sure that uh, we're giving God our first and our, and our best. That's a difficult teaching. That's a really, especially if you're in, during, in financially tight times. And in scripture, he's saying, hey, you, gotta, you need to trust me with, with this. And, uh, and so uh, God talks about finances all the time because he's, he's, he, he's passionate about our hearts. And money management reflects heart management. Something that we hear a lot 
irrelevant whenever we start uh, having these conversations with people about money is people who say, that sounds really good. I want to live like that. I want to put more money away. I want to invest better, but you don't understand what my life is like. I just don't have that kind of money. I'm living paycheck to paycheck and then every cent counts here. And I believe these people. I, that's that's very, very understandable. And, I, and I've certainly been there myself. I'm wondering what you would say to somebody who comes to you with that. Yeah, yeah. And first of all, I have a, a lot of, of sympathy for, for people because some of the times it's 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 a result of their own doing. Maybe they've made some bad financial decisions in, in, in the past. Maybe they um, swiped the credit card too many times. Maybe they took out student loans, but they really didn't know what they were doing. And, and so they now they have all this debt that uh, that's, that's burdening them. Um, maybe they, once again, maybe they just made a, a bad decision in the past and they regret it. Um, maybe it's something that was completely out of their control. Uh, maybe a medical bill or something like that hit and they just are in a financially tight place. And so I hear about that, that scenario um, all the time where they're saying, I really want to do something every, every, at the end of every month, there's nothing left in my, in my, my bank account. So my encouragement to them is to, to start somewhere. And there's actually not an exclusion clause for, for any of them. Like it's not, not something that says, but if you have debt, but if you have this, no, start giving your first and your best and, and trust God. And once again, this is not an art manner teaching. This is just what I see in, in, in scripture. And one, you'll feel better about yourself because you're actually doing something about your, about your finances. But two, uh, especially with that generosity piece, you're starting to align yourself with God's design for money. And, and so you're going to experience the, the benefits of the, the, the real spiritual benefits of doing that. And once again, it's not just with our finances. Anytime that you align yourself with God's design for you, your life, your marriage, your relationships, anytime you're going to find yourself more content, more satisfied because you're, you're following God's plan for you. One difficult thing that is sort of new to our time is uh, we are aware of so many important causes because of the internet. We we know about so many things that really need our money and the, the good thing, good people are trying to raise money for really important causes. And it can be very difficult to know how to dole out your resources, how to donate and what to choose to care about because you can't give them to the, you can't give to them all. Um, what, how do you deal with that? What are some ways that we as Christians can thoughtfully and responsibly prioritize in our own lives uh, when and how to be generous to things that we care about? Yeah, yeah. Let me before I answer where. Let me talk about what the Bible says about, about gener- generosity. So, as we look at Scripture, we see four different principles that um, that the Bible hits on as it relates to our generosity. Number one is that giving is to be a priority. Uh, that's Proverbs 39, meaning that we're to give our first and our best. We see that as a principle woven throughout Scripture. Uh, principle number number two is that giving is to be done proportionately, meaning that we give according to what God has given us. So that's percentage-based giving. So you see that, once again, woven throughout Scripture. Uh, principle number three is that giving is to be sacrificial. Giving is not always comfortable. Biblical generosity is not always comfortable. You look at the examples that we find in in scripture with the the, the widow's might, uh, the Macedonians. This was not comfortable giving. They were not giving out of surplus. It was a real sacrifice for them to to give. Of course, in the example of the widow's might, Jesus looks at her and says, She's given more than anybody else. And then finally, the fourth principle is to, to give cheerfully. God doesn't want a bunch of grumpy givers. 
right? And so we are to follow those those principles. Now, you asked a question about where do we do we give? So my recommendation, based on what I see in Scripture, is to make the church your your first place of giving. That is your priority. Why is it the priority? Because it's God's priority. Um, the local church is God's God's plan to advance His kingdom around the world. Now, you also said. And rightfully so, that there are a lot of great nonprofits that are out there, kingdom advancing nonprofits, and there are. And so my encouragement is to start with the local church, but don't necessarily ignore all of the other nonprofits because they're doing some really good work as well. Um, And so after you give to your local church, then start considering some other great uh, kingdom advancing nonprofits, maybe some that resonate with who you are and what you're what you're passionate about. Maybe if you're passionate about um, caring for children in difficult areas, maybe giving to an organization that does that. If you're passionate about caring for the homeless in your your community, maybe giving to an organization about that. Uh, Give according to how God has wired you and the passions that you have given that start with the local church. was Art Rayner. You can read more of that conversation at relevantmagazine.com. It's right there in our new you section. If you click on life, uh, you'll see new you. And uh, right there, it has all the content we've been doing. And that's the homepage for everything we have coming out for these eight weeks. The whole new you series is sponsored by UHSM. I mentioned that. And you know, while you're kind of rethinking everything about life going into a new year. If you're rethinking your healthcare approach, look into UHSM. They offer member-based programs where faithful people can take charge of their own healthcare. From telehealth options to plans that cover the unexpected moments in life, UHSM has something for everyone. For more information, head to uhsm.org or contact a representative at 800-900-8476. Again, that's uhsm.org or 800-900-8476. Okay, stay tuned. Up next, it's What's Jesse Thinking? Coming over tonight. No, it might be the last time. Wish we could go further. But for now, it's all right. Listening to Michelle. The song is Expiration Date. Okay, it's time for What's Jesse thinking? Oh? Huh? Jesse, you got something on your mind this week? I do. You know, um, Cameron, it's pretty well established fact that several years ago you and I had the privilege of visiting Space Camp. Um where, you know, uh astronaut <laughs> where we got a to privilege. Yeah, for me, it, you know, I'm not going to lie. If this is what astronaut training looks like, being an astronaut's even lamer than I thought. Because the highlight, the highlight of the entire camp experience, I think for everyone, was we were told we'd, we'd be able to simulate a moonwalk. 
Okay. Yeah. Like we've all seen the videos, you know, they're yeah. hopping around up there at, at just incredible heights. It's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, so I was like, all right, well, simulated moonwalk sounds pretty cool. And obviously I knew there'd be some sort of like, you know, rope situation or, yeah, or some sort of trampoline type of thing. But, you know, it, all they did was put you in a big harness and a big bungee cord, and let you hop around for, you know, five <laughs> minutes and the next person's up. It in no way prepared me for the moon. OK, like if I was an astronaut, it's like, what was the point of this exercise? Like it, it, it feels exactly like how I think it'd feel to jump around with a bungee cord yanking me up to the sea. Super lame. Well, China right now has uh, they have just built uh, uh, this is comes from uh, a, a newspaper in uh, the South China Morning Press. Uh, China has built this quote has built a research facility that simulates low gravity that simulates the low gravity environment on the moon. And it was inspired uh, by experiments using magnets to levitate fog. So essentially, China and Russia are uh, kind of partnering up to to kind of combat the the United States uh, in a new space race. And they want to have uh, like a facility on the moon within the next like five years. So you're getting really aggressive with this timeline. And in order to do that, they have created a facility that simulates the gravitational effects on the moon. Right. And they, and they made the surface of it like all rocky and everything so that they can learn how like equipment works if they want to build a space station up there um now i don't really i read the story numerous times to understand the technology used i know it has something to do with uh, magnets and you know our understanding but essentially they can create the gravitational conditions on the moon in a simulated moon environment here's my thing here's my thing Time out, China. <laughs> what, this, is, this has got the greatest amusement park of all time written all over. Why are you worried about, you know, a space station that, what, six or eight people are ever going to use, or at least in our lifetimes? You created a facility where I can jump. Or, look, have it open it up to the public, charge them $15, yeah. because like that's all the reason. Pool. So yeah, that's that's all- <laughs> or indoor snow skiing facilities or wave pool I thought facilities. It's a big trampoline park. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a big it's rock like, climbing park. Let, let me jump. Let me hop around. Let me knock a couple golf balls. Let me do some jumps yeah. on a rover. Like, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. It seems like if they have this technology and they're using it for the betterment of science, it's a real missed opportunity because the only <laughs> reason the public is inter- th- this is real talk here. Anyone who says they're interested in colonizing the moon for science purposes is lying. They have one reason they want it because what? they hope that it'll be like in the movies where there'll be tourist trips and everyone can go up and jump around there one day we can do it on earth they figured it out china figured it out we don't need to go we can do the moon here this seems like a tremendously missed opportunity if they don't open this thing up to the public am i wrong no i you're... just love that you just said time out china <laughs> <laughs> i'm assuming totally you're right. listening yeah, <laughs> I think you're totally right. I think it should become proprietary. I think they should share the technology. We should open it up and like a regional, you know, like those indoor water parks that yeah. people have around the country. Yeah, let's just have indoor moon parks. I like indoor it. moon parks. And, and like I said, for hey, here's for an extra fifteen dollars, you get to drive the rover around. We got a ramp right over there. You just kind of jump it. It's really cool. And then, like I said, maybe a little top golf up there. I've seen I've seen astronauts <laughs> hitting golf balls. I've always wanted to try. They, this is a whole business opportunity that yeah. they are just completely ignoring for the sake of quote unquote science and the betterment mm. of the future of humanity. Give me a break. We all need a little fun this year, China. Open this thing up. <laughs> I like it.
Sounds good. That's it. It's your, that, that was your wormhole. Is that you saw this news item? Yeah, thought, I, thought, I thought, oh, it's cool. They're using magnets to create a, a low-gravity <laughs> environment with science that is uh, yeah. completely revolutionary. Okay. Um, and this would be a much better use of this would just be to let people hop around, you know, get out of our system for a while. Blow off some steam up on the moon, you know? Yeah. Share thanks, it with Thanks humanity. for nothing, China. Yeah, thanks for, in the meantime, thanks for nothing, China. <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it for a very brief. What's Jesse thinking? Sometimes you don't need to draw it out. It's just a clear, we open that up, boom, we're done. So what's Jesse's thinking is something that... This was pretty open and shut. There's no debate involved here. They are being selfish right now by using this for scientific (laughs) experimentation. (laughs) That's the only reason any of us have even considered moon travel is because it'd be really cool to hop around up there. You know, it's literally, why else would you go? I mean, yeah, I mean... I've seen the pictures. It's dark up there. There's nothing Did to see. Did you see it's all- the footage that started going around TikTok this week of years ago? Astronaut Mark Kelly, he and his brother were both astronauts, and they were they had a, a stint on the space station, the International Space Station. And when they went to it, he apparently smuggled in and part of the cargo a gorilla suit. And no. so there's footage going around of Mark Kelly going into the gorilla suit, putting it on, and then starting to float around the International Space Station, freaking out the astronauts that were already oh there gosh. and didn't know him. And so like, you literally see the footage of an astronaut like running for his life, like flying, like running for <laughs> that, his life that's, away from the gorilla that somehow got on the ice. Well, that's, that's literally a scene from the Brad Pitt movie Ad Astra. Where do you guys see that movie? <laughs> no. Where he's an astronaut and he gets called to the spaceship. Did anyone see this movie? He gets no. called to the spaceship that all the astronauts aren't responding. Well, guess what? One of their experimental apes got out and murdered the crew and he has to go fight it with like a space ray gun. That's oh literally the plot of the movie. This was a sick joke by this astronaut. Space, <laughs> once you're in space, you gotta stop joking around. That's when we bring the pranks <laughs> down to Earth. Like if people are jumping around at Moon Park, be in the gorilla suit all you want, you know? But they don't know. Maybe a test chimp got out. It's gone crazy up there. You know, it's very, it's very horrifying, astronaut. Very horrifying. I'm glad I wasn't part of your crew, and I have no interest in space travel. Well, before we wrap it, I want to thank Art Rayner for joining us today to discuss financial health. And uh, hey, get ready for next week's episode. We focus on uh, professional health. Interesting. Um, also, a couple updates. Head over to relevantmagazine.com to check out the winter issue of Relevance, featuring conversations on deconstruction, how churches are tackling medical debt. We've got A-list celebrities. We've got, it's just, it's packed. It's packed and it's available for free. Go check it out at relevantmagazine.com. Also, make sure to visit the Relevance store, relevantstore.com to check out our great new merch, our, uh, the final days of the print edition pre-sale. Uh, we've got shirts, we've got mugs, and it's updated every week. Don't miss it. We got a sale going on right now. You'll love it. Relevantstore.com. Also, while you're at while you're at the site, check out our daily devotional series, Deeper Walk. It's presented by Lumo. There's a morning devotional email you can sign up for, or you can view that day's devotionals uh, right there in our faith section. Also, hey, if you're a fan of the show, tell us. Uh, leave a review wherever you listen, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is. You can rate and review the show, and it helps the algorithm and more people find it and learn about it. Um, if you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. But you probably haven't made it this far into the episode anyway. So we're talking to the friends here. Go rate it. Rate us. Review us. And uh, help help us get word out. All right. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We will see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. 
for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. Yeah, we're upgrading sell, sell, sell. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.